everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Rail Results. Uh, as always, I am your co-host, Joe Aiello. I am joined by... Still Maddie Butler. Uh, on today's pod, we have a very special, uh, I wouldn't say guest, but actually kind of a co-host uh, for the episode. Yeah. We're going to be talking about some... Maddie will introduce them in, in a second. Uh, we're going to talk some life updates, some work updates, some election updates, and all things in between. So uh, Maddie, kick us off. Yeah, so I'm really excited, y'all. Today we have uh, my friend Chris Monahan. Uh, we met in Phoenix during the Prop 105 campaign. We had an RPA mixer during the Summer by Rail Tour, and we were trying to find like more young planners and young advocates that wanted to get involved uh, in the game. And so Chris was an intern, became a traffic mitigation coordinator, but was also involved in the bike lane and scooter pilot program planning for the city of Phoenix. Uh, Chris is a passenger advocate in the Sun Belt region, and we are very lucky to have them with us today. How are you Absolutely. doing, Chris? Howdy. I'm doing great. I'm very excited to be here. Good, 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 good. So uh, we're tearing it up here in the Bay Area. This is uh, your first time visiting. What are your impressions so far? It is. It feels very distinctly from the other place of America that I've visited. Yeah. I've done a lot of traveling, but mostly to natural regions. Um, I've been to Sequoias and other parts of California, but spending time in the San Francisco area is it's just new. Yeah. <laughs> I think we, we had a pretty good day. We um, just took some meetings and uh, visited with some other advocates in the area yesterday. And so um, we took Caltrain. One of the things I'm really excited about is the um, Measure RR funding for Caltrain uh, was passed. So that dedicated funding is going to be provided to Caltrain. And I kind of looked at Chris and took a moment and was like, okay, I need a second. Like we pushed for this. We released a video, yeah. you know, we got like a thousand views on our video and we talked to all these people in the area trying to support this cause. And just like the moment when you know that it's happened and you're sitting on the other side, knowing that they're going to be okay. And we'll talk about a little bit in the kind of like election update in a, in a bit, but how, how excited were you to be on Caltrain knowing full well that you're going to continue to have Caltrain? Oh, I was gleefully skipping to the station. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> it was so, so awesome. You know, and it's just, we took just a little section of the line. Um, you know, it wasn't quite the whole tour de bay, which again, highly recommend that experience if you're, you know, a real transit dork. Um, but the, you which know, the we, stops that we... Done. <laughs> Yeah, so, so we kind of just went up and down the peninsula and, you know, took in the stops that are south of San Francisco. But yeah, so I guess uh, other than that, we have a lot going on campaign wise, you know, we're working on uh, our post election brief We have some really cool campaigns we're running right now. Um, Joe, you should probably mention your amazing merch store. Uh, well, I don't, I don't think it's, you know, my merch store. Uh, this is, I, I think we, I feel like we've talked about this did, did we tease it in the last podcast? I, I, I think forget. We them, I, we I think we teased it. it. So um, bonfire.com slash store slash rail passengers. And we will link everyone. I'm sure people have seen it already. We're even social media posting. Um, we took the idea of our kind of the rail passengers iconic statement of I'd rather be on a train, which was a very, very old time popular bumper sticker we used to give to all new members who signed up. And it was, it was a, it was a, <laughs> it was a phrase used uh, for our, the, the association newsletter for, you know, 50 years. Um, and we kind of 
took it took it for a spin, modernized it, and slapped it on uh, with a cool design. Put it on a couple of t-shirts and uh, a face mask, which is I don't want to say unfortunately we're selling face masks, but it is you know modern times. So you right. do what you got to do. We want to keep you safe and, and while you're out there, but also fashionable. Um, so I think the mascot's kind of a fun snark level too, though. Yeah. You know That's what I true. mean? Like you're, you're at target, just like low key hitting your vape pen through your mask. I'd rather be on the train. Like it's, I think it would just hit a certain way. Um, there was also, I have to, I have to bring this up on air, but in the, um, new urbanist memes or transit oriented teens group, the numtot group, Somebody had put up a picture of the mask, confusing oh, it right. for underwear because the whole mask is white. And I think on his phone, it probably like without the contrast up, it probably looked funny. And all of these people in the comments were like, we would pay you to make underwear. So if anyone thinks we should do underwear, let me know. I would buy that. Are you kidding? <laughs> um, so Are unfortunately, kidding? I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Bonfire does underwear. So we're... No? we're, we're we're gonna, we're gonna take suggestions from any um, uh, very talented uh, yet curious uh, listeners out there. If you want to make some, I'd rather be on a train undies for us. Um, let, let's go for it. Let's let's, let's we're, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, but you know, and we tried to price everything fairly too. So uh, you know, products are between twenty and forty dollars in the store. Um, they all have the same logo and I love the, the logo too. It's a limited edition print. So we're just going to do it through the holiday season this year, but it's such a cool fundraiser. It's a really unique Christmas gift. And I'm not just trying to sell merch to y'all. Cause like, you know, if I didn't believe in it, I wouldn't push it, but it is something that, you know, it's going to help us. It's going to help what we can do long-term to provide for our members, provide for our communities. So you know, if you don't want to give all of your money to Jeff Bezos and Amazon prime, your Christmas gifts, pop on over. I think it's a bit.ly slash RPA merch and we can throw a link in with the episode too. Yeah. Um, it is something we've been dying to do for a very long time. Yeah. And as Maddie just said, uh, once November 30th, it's cyber Monday. So you're going to go through black Friday, uh, small business Saturday uh, and cyber Monday, the big holiday shopping weekend. Once that weekend passes, this mm-hmm. shirt is gone. I mean, we will eventually offer some, maybe some rail results t-shirt or some RPA gear, some regular basic gear. We're going to keep a store going for a while. Uh, but once the, once the holiday hits, once the 30th hits, this, this, this yeah. shirt is gone. Like it is going to be a collector's item. We will never see this design ever again. So it's right. get Go buy it. It's actually a get really it while you can. Cool I got the hoodie. Shirt. If anyone wants to join me on team hoodie. Um, we're also going to collect selfies too. So, you know, if you get your shirt, um, we'll send out an email to everyone who's purchased and, you know, we'll get the selfies. I'm going to create like a giant mural of all of us in our shirts. And then next yeah. time that we send, um, you know, the president of RPA to testify, we could compile those selfie collages and be like, so these are the people we're testifying on behalf of, you know, these oh, are I'm your so- constituents. Cause I- sometimes we need to remind them. Absolutely. I mean, the, the idea that, you know, you can wear your shirt uh, on the train with wear the mask at your favorite train station, at your local station, on your, on your whatever plane. it is. Mm-hmm. At your city council meeting. A- a- actually, <laughs> actually yeah, if, if, if you were on a plane somewhere because the train so is in your town, that is a snark I love. And yeah, actually, I said what wear, I said. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Wear your, I'd rather be on a train mask. It. 
while you're on a plane because the train stopped going to your town, you know, 20 years ago. And actually, we're going to talk about that later because, uh, Chris, I do believe you have some, a bone to pick with uh, yes. trains not coming to a certain city. Um, yes. So before we get into that, uh, I did want to talk uh, more work stuff very briefly. Uh, we do have a post-election webinar coming up tomorrow. If you're listening to this, we're recording on November 17th on a Tuesday. November 18th is our webinar. Uh, it'll be it's up on YouTube. Uh, yeah, it's like March like 400th or something like that. Uh, yeah, this is it's March, never, part nine. It's it's never not March. The marching. Uh, that's Mar March four. The yeah, I I'm trying to think of March a predator forever. joke or something. Uh, it's it's, it's Mar March versus predator. I, I don't. <laughs> We've lost. And not plot. to give yourselves another plug, but on top of Cyber Monday and Black Friday, don't forget y'all have Giving Tuesday. Oh, we do. We do. Yeah. Well you, done. Wow. <laughs> it's wow. almost as if I was there filming part of it on the CTA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are going to have our Giving Tuesday campaign, um, raising money for the Rail Passengers Association. Um, we have a donor who is challenging people to match. So we did this last year. We had a really good turnout last year. Um, you know, and when you look at what those last year donations did to keep us afloat this year, it is so vital. It is so important to the longevity of a nonprofit. And I mean, you know, without these implementations, we don't really have uh, podcast time or podcast money. So yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, keep, let's keep the lights on at work so we can play. Every, everybody has been, uh, been hurting, uh, you know, 2020. We've talked oh, about this yeah. multiple times, you know, in the nonprofit world. I mean, we're, we're selling merch. We, we're raising money for Given Tuesday. Uh, profits from the t-shirt go to the association. While, you know, you all listening know that, you know, Rail Results is a side product, side hustle for, for Maddie and I. Um, we are very much in tune with what we do for a living. And mm -hmm. we could not, we could not have this side hustle if not for this job, if Absolutely. not for everyone listening and donating money yep. um, and, and raising funds for us. So um, we, we truly yeah, we keep all, us going. Y'all keep yes. us on track. I don't know what we would do without you. Yeah. And um, so swinging from that. So for a little good news, um, so we, I want to talk a little about the election, um, but not the top of the ticket. I do want to briefly, you know, Maddie mentioned, you know, that Measure RR passed. Uh, Caltrain mm -hmm. is going to have like 30 years of dedicated funding. Um, also, yeah. uh, Maddie's old uh, stopping grounds, City of Austin, uh, yes. Project Connect Prop A passed. Um, they did what Nashville couldn't a couple years yes. ago. They actually went yeah. through and... Um, political scandal uh free uh passed a a, mul a massive multi-billion dollar uh tax uh raise to fund basically the building of a brand new subway system for the city of austin you guys that we talked about it you guys have seen our, our our video on it and i just want to like you know anyone listening uh in the texas area in the austin area especially i just want to applaud you guys um i know there was there was money on yeah on, shout on out austin there was money against it. There was money fighting it. You know, Chris knows all about, you know, the dark money and in Prop 105 mm -hmm. and in Phoenix. And, and, and we talked about, you know, Nashville. Um, Houston uh, was was up against it a little bit because I know mm -hmm. uh, Houston was trying to pass something a while back. But um, good on all you uh, in Austin uh, for passing this. I'm, I'm very excited to go down there and, and see what Project Connect and Cap Metro is going to be pulling off in, in, in the years to come. But this is, I mean, it is going to be absolutely exciting to see that city that city grow and build and just kind of, you know, get their hands dirty with, uh, you know, really 
uh, pushing towards uh, regional connection yeah. uh, in, in, in the city. So, yeah, no, I think that's all pretty fair. Um, I guess, yeah, my real takeaway is measure R for sure. Just as far as like a local thing, you know, I could rant about it all day. Um, and I guess in our in our upcoming coverage too, and how we choose to navigate things, one of the things I do think about a lot is just that um, regardless of who voted for what, there is uh, so much division. And it's something that we all have to work together to overcome. And one of the things that infrastructure does is like empowers all kinds of people to get over all kinds of humps, as long as it's built well and it's built for all of us. And I think that has to be a bipartisan issue fundamentally. So, you know, whether or not your favorite person won this season of America, the point is <laughs> we're also on the same team and we just got to get this stuff done. I, I, I like to believe that when you, um, unlike the voting booth, uh, when you scan your ticket for whatever, you know, whether it be Amtrak or Cat Metro or BART or MBTA, when you, when you scan your monthly pass or your single day pass, whatever it is to get on that train, it does not care if you are red or blue. It cares that you paid your fare and you're going somewhere. That's right. the, the, the simplest term. So like, I think That's infrastructure, mm -hmm. uh, public transportation doesn't, doesn't care um, who you're voting for, as right. long as you're taking it, as long as you're helping fund it, as long as you're paying your fares. Yeah. Um, we all just gotta I, go places. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't <laughs> matter. So I, I, I think we, right. we all bet we all benefit mm. from uh, from measures like RR and Prop A, and and unfortunately there was one in Gwinnett County in in, in, in Georgia that, that failed, and the one in Portland. Uh, but but they'll be back. Um, they're gonna keep fighting. I know Portland's gonna keep fighting. Um, oh, yeah. uh, ballot measures. So I mean, it, it's it's all gonna happen. But like. It doesn't matter, like I said, it doesn't matter who you are, we all need to take it. Right, and on that topic of infrastructure and how it brings people together in both a literal sense, but also in a political sense, because what I found is that when people with different ideas discuss what their challenges are, so one of the big things I care about is how regional airports are closing, it's hard, especially now given COVID, that if the only connection that a small town has to the outside network of cities is the interstate or not, yeah. what are they going to do when Amtrak goes to three times a week? Yeah, There's just yeah. an impossible wall there right. for those people who live in those communities. And those are the communities generally, who vote red. But why does that matter? Because there's still people, there's still people who need access. Mm. And at the end of the day, it helps them as much as the city. Yeah. You know, none of us exist in a vacuum. We all have to work together. Yeah. Absolutely. For me, I, I think it's just straight up, like as an elected official, you have to do right by your constituents, period. And mm -hmm. like accessibility, like public transportation are fundamental parts of that. And I would argue, I mean, I hate to be somebody who's like, well, I'm from Kentucky and I've been dealing with, you know, that situation for a long time. But like, the longer that you keep people in positions where they can't access things without private means, like the more you're going to have class struggle, you're going to have people that can't access education, that can't access healthcare, that aren't going to be able to do things that are culturally and personally enriching. 
And to me, it's like, I don't think that there should be any partisanship in that issue. It comes down to providing for your constituents. And if you want to be, you know, I mean, I come from a family of people with all different kinds of political views. And so I try very much to try to, you know, understand like, okay, like your freedom, but also like you make more money, but also like you need more help. And how do we create great equalizers? And I think that transit is such an essential one of those. Just so, so to see two victories, two big city victories mm. in cities that have issues with equity, that have issues with gentrification, that have issues with accessibility, it's phenomenal. And that, because you and I, Maddie, we met through Prop 105, like we yeah. mentioned earlier. And I think part of the reason why 105 was defeated so easily in Phoenix was because people understood the communal impact and the right. regional impact because for those of you who are not familiar with the Phoenix Valley in the metro area, Phoenix is a large city in and of itself, but there are several very large um, exurbs, you know, Glendale, Scottsdale, oh, Gilbert, Chandler, um, and Peoria, um, to name a few. <laughs> there's a lot more. Trust, trust there, me. There's, the Phoenix is a really big area. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, part of the challenge, if 105 went through, the other regional partners with Valley Metro would have thrown a fit um, yeah. because the regional impact that some transit projects have far outweigh the voters who are voting on it. Yeah. And I think part of 105's failure, our, our success and its yeah, failure yeah. Um, was the branding. Yeah. The fact that, you know, messaging was put out that this affects more than just you. This isn't just mm. Phoenix. This is about the Valley. This is about your neighbor. This is about how you get around and how everyone else gets around and how people go to your business yeah. that's in Phoenix, even though they live in Mesa. Mm -hmm. And that concept I mean, yes, it's a very relatively urbanized area, um, but I don't see why, you know, Austin Regional Transit or Oklahoma or Kansas or any other air, any other flyover states, mm -hmm. they would stop being flyover state. There would be yeah. train stops. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. well, we wouldn't we wouldn't be flying over. We would You'd have traveling other through solutions. it and right. seeing the majesty of right. the land. Right, spending money in those small towns. Yeah, that's one of the things you know we 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 keep fighting with the association. You know, as part of the association, is that you know the the, the Amtrak three X you know service cuts. Mm. As our as our boss said, is was going to be a two billion dollar bomb over flyover country because right. as, as Chris said, you know a lot of these, especially during COVID, a lot of these small small cities, the small regions are losing their airports. Uh, these these airlines are cutting back flights. They're also losing daily train service. Now what? You're forcing people yeah. onto the roads into traffic in you know dangerous situations. You know it's 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 not it's not right. And yeah. I, I know that you know you know defeating 105 was was it was a big uh, um uh, victory for mm. for phoenix but as i kind of alluded to earlier it's also a city where uh, amtrak doesn't go 
Yes. Oh, right. <laughs> Ooh, I, and, and, and it's I, a lifetime, right? It's and, your lifetime, right? Well, that's the thing. I've never understood Phoenix to have an Amtrak station. So wild, right? Because I'm young enough that it just never existed. Central mm-hmm. Station in downtown Phoenix was always, I think they converted it to a parking garage, or at least it's a facade for a parking garage mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And I never knew that until, you know, I got involved in planning, got my degree, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I think that's a huge failure um, yeah. on part of the Phoenix and the broader um, transportations industry, because Phoenix, if, I mean, it's just a large city, even though it's spread out, people would, people would use it. Yeah. And people like me would use, use it. Yeah. It's just, ugh. Well, and like, yeah. we had talked to, um, um, Jerome Trahan, when we were down in Mississippi, mm. um, the, he's one of the Amtrak arts coordinators, right. and now he runs the Mississippi um, Arts and Entertainment Experience. The Max. The Max. But one of the things that he had said when we were talking with him that, like, it haunts me to this day, was that there is an entire generation of young people who know the train is something that their grandparents did. Yeah. Or something that you do in nicer countries than the U.S. Right. And, and like, that- I dwell on that thought all the time. That is actually for us in this sort of advocacy world, that is nightmare fuel. It really mm-hmm. is. That's what I'm saying. Because, it's like, what do we have to do to get connected faster? What do we have to do to fix this? Because these kids deserve better. Right. Straight up. Like, cause yeah. how, how, how do you reach a younger generation to become advocates to like, to be, to, to get to your cause when you're right, when Amtrak is just, you know, it's, it's an old timey thing they might see on a movie. You know, yeah. it's, 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 uh, it's a uh, relic. Resident, uh, elder Gen Z chiming in here (laughs) um well that's just the thing what you guys are doing this podcast the merch just getting the messaging out because if you get people passionate about it Mm -hmm. they'll do the work for you you just got to make them understand what it means to care and to do this Mm -hmm. and be funny it helps well and and why they should (laughs) care yeah Yeah. but like you got to Comedy is the best teacher. I stand by that. <laughs> that's how it sticks. That's how we ended up with our snarky t-shirt. Mm-hmm. That's that's very true. Um, so actually, I, I wanted to kind of get into uh, two quick questions, um, sort yeah. of like Chris, uh, mm-hmm. based on like kind of like, you know your work and you know mm-hmm. the kind of like because you you've been in you know kind of like in in, in the trenches in 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 planning. Yes. So <laughs> why? So in in because I, I know that you were on the the you know the traffic mitigation side yes. that actually because I mean, actually I, I know a few people actually in my area in the boston area that actually mm-hmm. work on that but it's also bike lanes uh mm-hmm. like a lo- yeah. lot of like multimodal or especially around train stations yes absolutely with, with phoenix not actually having that union station for amtrak mm-hmm. so why is planning so important especially in areas that don't have that robust public mm. transit right so one of the biggest things that I've noticed in going through my career, sort of, sort of that it is, um, is that people don't necessarily realize the effort that goes into what they use. And I think if people had the face of like, this is what planning is, this is what planning does for me, they would understand and have that appreciation because what planning does is make sure you do have a quality of life. 
that mm. industrial area is not next to where you live. And it just, it is a catalyst for so much change, but only if people get invested in it. Because otherwise, it's very easy for someone who only drives, doesn't realize what the transit user needs or wants. Mm. But that person who does drive probably is very impacted by transit users mm. and their economic dollars. Mm -hmm. And I think if that was just explained in a broader sense, people would have a much greater appreciation. Planning is important because doing short-sighted, we need to solve this now, rather than looking ahead in terms of long-term, yeah. you're gonna end up with love canal situations, just well, to throw it back to 1970s. Right. Or you end up with people like Joe and I not being able to engage in strategy and having to engage in tactic mm -hmm. where we're on the yeah. back end of things advocating for like a marginal recovery trajectory that's not ultimately what's going to benefit that place. Right. So actually, Chris brings up a really good point uh, about the, uh, the the single occupancy, like the, the people who drive. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So, and, and Maddie's heard me rant about, rant about this, especially in our Boston video during summer by rail. So there is a project and, and I'm sure our listeners know, and they're, they're just dying for the episode where I go off on a tilt, but maybe, maybe Chris doesn't. So there's a project called the North South rail link here in Boston. Hmm. So, uh, North and South stations in Boston, it's, it's a mile gap underground. They do not connect. So the downeaster, uh, and Sorry. train lines North go to North station everything else in Amtrak goes to South Station and there's commuter rail lines that go to both, but not in between. So you actually can't take a single seat ride through the city of Boston. So one of the things that we've been trying to tell people is that the taxpayers who have to drive, who mm -hmm. aren't gonna be in traffic, whether they're construction workers or whatever, they, if they live off of a train station, the people that drive every day to work that have to drive no matter what, Mm -hmm. And even if they don't spend a single day on the train, mm -hmm. they will benefit the most because Absolutely. if you have a robust train network, a robust system with fast, frequent, uh, reliable, safe trains that actually take people where they need to go, the mm -hmm. more people that need to be on the train, the less people in traffic, the less wear and tear on the roads and the better off those, those cars are. Right. So and, and actually, so you really struck home a, a chord with me is that like, is that that's a, that's a fight that we've been having in, like, in the city here in Boston for years is right. that people who drive, you know, whether stubborn or not, the tax, the gas taxpayers, yeah. they will benefit the most. <laughs> and what's wild to me from a municipal perspective, because I worked for the city of Phoenix for roughly three years, is that would save the city money. Mm -hmm. Phoenix yeah. loves their roads that they will say that they love the roads and it's shown through how often that we repave our roads. Mm -hmm. In fact, we had a whole accelerated pavement maintenance program, which was about, you know, quickening the maintenance schedule. Hmm. Um, but if there are less cars on the roads, that means you need to do maintenance less that saves a lot of dollars, yeah. especially for urban sprawled areas oh, yeah. such as Phoenix, 
um, and the surrounding metro area, that's that's just free money. Yeah. Because yeah. the cost yeah. of you know supporting a transit system that gets people around it's such a great return on investment that I think if the economic argument was made more to these budget conscious voters, whether they're conservative or right. liberal the or what have conscious. you, right. Budget right. conscious. It doesn't matter whether you're red and blue, if you're cared about the economy and the uses of taxpayer dollars, yeah. public transit has a much better ROI yeah. than lumps of asphalt. Well, we, we talked about this, um, during like it was early in summer by rail is when I first got to DC. Um, but our um, policy VP, Sean Jeanscale, he set me up with some people in Virginia that were working on like um, increasing frequencies, right? So through the corridor um, into DC. And one of their biggest arguments that Virginians clung to was the reduction in passenger miles, reduction in traffic, and reduction in uh, Virginia DOT expenses that would come from the deferment of these people on into DC by rail. Because there's a whole series of bridges and kind of these like winding, bending curves, um, even as, you know, between like Richmond, Virginia, all the way yeah. up through that corridor. And so, you know, I mean, anything you can do, like, Anyone who's lived in Appalachia, the Rockies, whatever, if you've lived in a mountainous environment, you know that that road work is more expensive, it takes longer, and it's dangerous. It's straight mm -hmm. up more dangerous than other forms of construction. Your liability costs are higher, your material costs are higher. So whatever you can do to avoid that is always a good call. Yeah. Um, so um, is there anything else we, uh, we wanted to discuss before we, before we wrap up? Yeah, I think we should discuss um, some of the social parameters of what it is that we all do too. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, Chris and I, on, on top of being like advocates who have worked together, uh, we like participate in a lot of online travel communities. Um, you know, we, especially like the queer communities, we had Jay Marking on last month uh, to talk yes, about yeah. Pride Ride, right. which is something that Chris and I have been talking about a lot lately, lately is just like um, being queer in that sort of like professional environment. How do you navigate um, being an advocate, being an employee, being a passenger and what we can do to create like safer parameters. And since the last month's podcast, I feel like we've been talking about this a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, Working for the city of Phoenix in the department that I did, um, which was the street transportation department, right? there's a certain level of unfamiliarity in the same way that a lot of people aren't familiar with urban planning concept. It's just, I think if people knew more and we just explained and talked openly, there would be a lot more understanding between the engineers and the planner oh, or yeah. the queer people and the family values conservatives. Yeah. I think there would be a lot more value overlap if people just talk to each other. Yeah. And I think transit is kind of a way out of that. Um, <laughs> Not to yeah. be, stay on the train, but I think the breakdown between community and the what I think is missing in a lot of spaces when it comes to being queer and being a professional 
is the trust mm-hmm. that you would have if you knew your neighbor, if you had a front porch that you used rather than a big backyard with cinder block mm-hmm. walls. Mm-hmm. One of the mm-hmm. huge things that I talk about coming from Phoenix and the uh, surrounding area is people don't know each other, or at least not in the way that people used to. Mm-hmm. The Midwest and the one that comes to my mind is Wisconsin. A lot of old neighborhoods, Janesville, yeah, you mark your land kind of from low shrubbery, but you can see when your neighbor is barbecuing mm-hmm. in Madison, okay. Wisconsin. There's a lot more less concrete walls, literally, um, that because it was older and before cars became the dominant mode of transportation, mm-hmm. you know, it it's different. Mm-hmm. And I think a robust public transit network, you will meet people in, yeah, some places you don't necessarily talk on public transit, yeah. but even being exposed to someone who is visibly queer, um, which is not every day, but it could be. Mm-hmm. And what difference does it make? They're yeah. going yeah, to try, work. You're going try, to work. Visibility try talking to your neighbor safety. in New York. <laughs> try right, talking to your right. na- try talking to your neighbor on the on the train in New York. You, you <laughs> might get looks. <laughs> but when you say visibility, like I think I think of this this story that I think we're all familiar with in the transit circle, which is um, when kids from the suburbs are coming home from Pride and they're taking off their rainbow stuff and they're putting on their plain black mm-hmm. hoodie and tucking all their mm-hmm. gay paraphernalia in their backpack before they have to go see mom and dad. And like, what can we do as older people to be like, hey, like you're safe in this environment. Like I understand that, you know, you got to face whatever you got to face back in your isolated suburban environment with no sense of identity, but you know, when you're with us, you're part of the communal public experience of transit, you're safe, you know, and we all have to, I think, assure to one another that there's safekeeping of the most marginalized members of any community. Yeah, absolutely. But knowing your neighbors, Chris, is a great right. way to know how it is yeah. you can protect and safeguard those who are members of your community. Yeah. And and not to rep Arizona it. more, but... <laughs> Go off. <laughs> Arizona, I think, would be a great test bed for a lot of things. Politically, we are very mixed. Obviously, in the election, we went blue this time. This time. Well, well it's the first time since Bill, when yeah. I was born. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been a while. Yeah. But even still, the electorate, it's roughly one-third independent, one-third Democratic, and one-third um, Republican. Yeah. And there's a lot of bread and butter issues that we can get behind as transit advocates Mm -hmm. and economic conservatives and all of these other things that with these meat and potatoes conversations that we can have and Mm -hmm. build that community amongst ourselves, regardless of whether we're queer or my boss is Mormon or all these other things, Mm -hmm. we've got work to do. Yeah. And we've got the tools to do it. I mean, honestly, like, I think it's a, it's a really great note to end on, especially since, like, one of our biggest fights is that, you know, we want to make sure that as advocates, we are treating everyone fairly. And we need to make this community just how the train looks. 
every right. color, every race, every creed, every gender, every, every, every style, every, every, every everything. Mm -hmm. That's our, 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 our community should match what the trains actually look like. And what it can't say? just- What do they say when it's time to get on the train? All aboard. All aboard, yep. All. Every, every single one of us, all aboard. And I, I, mm -hmm. I kind of like that. That's a really great. And also, Chris, thank you. Shout out for the, the Midwestern folks. You mentioned Wisconsin, yeah. Chicago. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, so shout out to, to shout out to the Midwest. Um, yeah. You know, I'm always, oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, don't you know? This is probably but, um, as smart as we're going to sound today. So I think yeah, we should so, leave it on that beautiful note, Chris. Yeah. Thank you I, I, so much for coming in. Yeah, I, th I think the all aboard is, uh, is is a great note to end on. Um, so, oh, yeah. Maddie, tell everyone where they can find us. You can find us all over social media. Um, I would recommend you go to realresults.org. Start there. I just gave our website a little facelift. Um, yeah. I think you guys will like it a lot. You can reach out to us on every social media platform at Real Results. Uh, email your questions in realresults at gmail.com. And uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, this was, and, and also course. thank you for being our first ever guest host. Um, yes. we've, only, we've, only had, we've only ever done like traditional interviews, uh, kind of like a second half of the pod. So thank you for being our first ever guest host. Um, I you appreciate were fantastic. the opportunity. Yeah. And um, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we will catch you next time. Uh, I'm sure we will hit you all up before the holidays. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, for, for, for all yeah. those, um, be safe. Don't travel. Don't see your folks. Um, no. You know, st don't stay home. Stay Don't home and eat pizza. <laughs> yes. No, no turkeys, <laughs> eat pizza. Happy Thanksgiving. And we will talk to you after the holiday, probably before Christmas. We'll, we'll, we'll catch you in before the new year. Um, so uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, take care. Talk to you soon.